All right, for tuning in online, we are in Psalm 33 one more evening, and then we'll go elsewhere after tonight. When, Lord willing, we will finish Psalm 33 this evening. Psalm 33 is an orphan psalm, which means we don't know what, who. We'll know who authored it. Orphan. Uh, we think that Paul possibly wrote Hebrews, but we're not sure about that. But uh, so we'll see. We'll, orphan, in this case, simply means that we don't know who the author was, per se. Starting at verse 12, Psalm 33, if you're following along there, I bet verse 10. Verse 10, the Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. The counsel of the Lord standeth uh, for, forever, the thoughts of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. The Lord looketh from heaven, and beholdeth all the sons of men. From the place of his habitation, he looketh upon all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashioneth their hearts alike. He considereth all their works. There is no king saved by the multitude of an host. A mighty man is not delivered by much strength. And a horse is a vain thing for safety. Neither shall he deliver any by his great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield, for our heart shall rejoice in him, because we have trusted in his holy name. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us according as we hope in thee. The Lord has blessing to the reading of his word. We've talked about tonight is going to be, uh, last time was blessed as the nation. Do we want to be blessed? I've given that the title for tonight. Do we want blessed? Uh, we are a nation in need of blessing. Number one in your outline was the power of God's uh, seen creation. I, number two was we learn to rely completely on the Lord by recognizing the power of his word. Number one, the power of God's word is seen in his creation. Number two, the power of God's word is seen in his counsel. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Question number one, do you think God is impressed by the atheism and militarism might of the world nations? No, he is not impressed by that. Uh, there are uh, The official religion of China is atheism. Did you know that there are 450 to 500 million atheists or agnostics in the world today? 450 to 500 million estimated. Uh, now, agnostic simply means that, believes that there's nothing or can be known about or existence of God by nature, etc. They're okay if he exists. They're okay if he doesn't exist. That would be an agnostic Atheists say there is no God. There are 30, in your little blank, there are 35 million people who live in caves in China. China has 18 cities with a population of over 10 million. America has none of those. And atheism is the number one religion now in uh, China. Interestingly enough, uh, here in America, just this past week, or last week, South Dakota voted to not use TikTok and any of their government phones because of the Chinese information that is gleaned from TikTok. So South Dakota was the very first state that said, no, we're not going to use that. No, no state phones are allowed to be used for that. And also, I don't know if you're aware or not, but Winnie the Pooh has been censored in China because there was a, uh, people believe that Winnie the Pooh and Xi Jinping look alike. And so they were making a comparison between Winnie the Pooh and Xi Jinping, and they wouldn't even let the 2018 Christopher Robin movie be played in China because people were making little memes with Xi Jinping and Winnie the Pooh. And so it's, it's sad when someone cannot laugh at themselves. If you're in a public eye, you're going to be, made, you're going to be characterized. And, but see, when you're a dictator, no one can say anything about it. If you tear up a picture of 
Kim Jong-un, you can be actually killed, executed, if you rip up a picture of him. And they find out. And you, they come into the houses and they, they white glove the top of your photos of, of King Jong-un to see if it's dusty or not. And that's North Korea. And North Korea has so many restrictive things in it. It's unbelievable. We, we live in America. We, have a, we still have a great country. We have a lot of difficulties. But we, we've been blessed to live in America. You and I have both, all of us have been that. Now, do you think God would recognize or agree with William Ernest Henley's words when he said, I am the master of my fate, I am the captain of my soul? He would not. God is yet in control. Uh, We have found uh, God is overseeing, he is sovereign, he is working, he is still, nothing's taking him by surprise. I like it, many years ago I heard that there's no emergency sessions in heaven. God still knows what's going to go on, etc., America, it seems like we are demoralizing ourselves into oblivion. Matter of fact, I just read a poll last week that 71% of Americans say they support legalizing of same-sex marriage. 71%. Now, that's a change in 96. It was 27% in 96. Now, 2001, I think it was, 71% are okay with it. And so we, we... we just we we need prayer. The if the marriage bill before this uh, house gets passed, it will repeal the 1996 uh, Defense of Marriage Act. Will be repealed by the new one that's going to most likely be passed. We are we need prayer. The psalmist said, "The Lord bringeth the counsel of the nations to naught, whether you are Russia or China or North Korea. Dare I say America?" Whatever you think that you are doing that's going to be out doing God, ask Nebuch- call up Nebuchadnezzar. Call up all these other people. Call up uh, Saddam Hussein. Call up Osama bin Laden and see if what they were trying to do was successful or not. And you will find the answer. The story is told of a newly elected civil leader who had just arrived in, in, in the, uh, the government of Washington. and He was visiting the home of a ranking public servant. And the, the two men were still, and they were looking out of the Potomac River. And, and the older public servant said to the, uh, the younger said to the older, a log was floating by. And the older public servant said, you see, this, this city is like that log out there. How so, said the younger man. The older man said, well, there are probably hundreds of bugs and ants and other critters on that old log. As it floats down the river, they all imagine that they're the ones steering it. And so that, that's, we, we, we think, as people even, was it not uh, people like Lenin and, and Stalin who think they could just, Hitler, who could just run rough shot over whoever they want? God's yet in control. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. The Lord looketh down from heaven, he, he beholdeth all the sons of men. He is watching, he's watching history. Question number three, can you think of people in the Old Testament or New Testament kings of history who, who thought that they were all that? Nebuchadnezzar first comes to mind. They thought they were all that. Haman thought that he was going to be able to destroy the Jews. Cyrus of Persia, Artaxerxes, Ahasuerus, I think it's one and the same, but they thought over 127 provinces Ahasuerus was. What a, a man of influence and power, and yet, compared to God, it's nothing. No matter who we are, God has things under control. Behind the scenes is God's providential hand guiding and directing we're not, the world doesn't revolve around us. I, I, I know I've said it before, I probably said it a couple weeks ago, but it's, if, we'll get, if we'll grasp that, the world does not revolve around me, it revolves around God. And his word is to help us to understand who he is 
This word is about him. He is the one we're going to be worshiping for eternity. It's him. It's all about him. Acts 4.27. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together in Acts chapter 4, for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. Jesus knew from even the world before it was created that he was going to come to die for us. And give his life on Calvary. The day was set before he even came. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. As we consider the positive negative principle, question four, what happens to those nations whose God is not the Lord? Dust in the wind. Dust in the wind. You think about the people. As, Israel is an amazing anomaly because they're God's chosen people. For nearly 4,000 years we're barely surviving 200, not even got the 300 years. They're 4,000 years and they're still a nation. God has, watched, has he not watched over them, preserved them? The psalmist looks at the nation as, as they respond to God's word. Are we going to obey God's word or not? It's, we've been talking about the Ten Commandments. They are the backbone of every civilization is the Ten Commandments. If you want to have a civilization that lasts, Britain and America have been governed in a, in, in, by men who have upheld God's word, and that's why God has blessed us in the past. They have done that. If you want to be blessed by God, it's, it's here. Blessed is a nation whose God is the Lord. Everybody else, you're not going to be blessed like that. Question number three, then, or point number three, sorry. We learn to rely completely on the Lord by recognizing the pattern of his working. Number one, God does not work through man's strength or schemes. Thirteen, the Lord looketh from heaven. He beholdeth all the sons of men from the place of his habitation. He looketh upon all the inhabitants of the earth. It's interesting what a beautiful picture that is. All the nations, the characteristics of every nation, whether it's Africa or whether it's an Afghan peasant or an American psychiatrist or someone over in wherever you want. God looks at all of them. There are 195 countries in the world, 7,100 languages of which, what is the most spoken language in the world today, do you think? English. Just behind it is Mandarin Chinese because there's so many Chinese people. Third is Hindi because there's so many people in India. And fourth is Spanish. So those are the top four spoken languages in the entire world. English, Chinese, Hindi, and Spanish. He's looking down from heaven. And, and we might just sort of like, whether he's looking at uh, the rice paddy in, in Thailand, someone working there, someone working in West Virginia in a deep mine, some, someone working uh, in Iceland. Someone, he's looking down. He's watching all of that. The executive working on the 44th floor of a skyscraper in Manhattan. He sees them there. But more than seeing everyone, and you know, it's God knows what they're thinking in their hearts. He made every heart. He understands not only what we do, but why we do it. It's not like we're going to get to heaven and stand before God and say, oh, i got a whole bunch of things that God never saw all of these. And it was our daughter and I were talking about, or we were talking to Stephanie, it was some time recently, and we talked about the things that, they never told us that they did. There are things that you never told your parents. Now, Cindy, you don't have to say anything right now, but uh, told that you never, you never told you. I never told my mom and dad about this, that, 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 or that. Better off, they don't need to know about those things, right? That's what we're thinking. You're never, you're never going to find that, though, in front of God. It's like, it's got, he's got like that transparent, it's like see right through us. 
our human tendency, even as redeemed people, is to perfect our methods and to trust in them. He looketh from heaven, he beholdeth all the sons of men. From the place of his habitation, he looketh on the inhabitants of the earth. He fashioneth their hearts alike, that considereth all their works. There is no king saved by the multitude of a host. A mighty man is not delivered by much strength. Even sometimes we as Christians, we've got this method that works, and so we rely more even on the method rather than on God. And God, would you have me to use this way of talking, etc.? But the ever-present danger in bottle of page 2 is that we plug in the methods and trust in them to work instead of using the methods while we trust in God to work. See, there's a big difference there. I'm trusting in God to do this. I cannot do it. There's things here at our church, one thing specific. I say, Lord, I have no answer for this. You're going to have to provide. Please provide. It's your church. It's your people. It's not mine. Please provide. We need this. The psalmist is saying that God does not work through man's strength or schemes because then man gets to what? Here's your blank. Glory. Man gets to glory. Look what, I, I've got this, i got a whole book here. Now just come to my seminar for $395. You can come to my seminar for three sessions and I will train you on how to have a successful church. The method may be good, but when we are not relying upon God, we're missing the boat. A horse is a vain thing for safety, neither shall he deliver any by great strength, no matter how powerful a nation. King Jong-un made on TV have all his missiles and all his men walking in lockstep and showing his little might, his what, big might to the world. We should read him Psalm chapter 2. He will laugh at them. He will have them in derision. God is in control. God's a powerful one. God's not impressed with man's arrogance. So God does not work through man's strength or schemes. Secondly, God does not work through those who fear. God does work through those who fear and trust him. Verse 18, behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. What is that question? Number? What is that eye of the Lord? Doesn't God watch over everybody? Yes, but God, I think it's, we're in the apple of his eye. Israel's the apple of his eye. Christians, he's watching over us. Does he love the world? Yes. I believe he died for the world. Yes. But all the world does not love him in return and has not received him as Savior. So, But those who receive him as Savior, but now are we called the sons of God. And so he's watching over us. His eye is upon that. If you have, a, if you have your child's involved in, in basketball, when my son played basketball, he doesn't necessarily want me in the stands. But, but, I watched him almost all the time because my eye was on him because I wanted to find something. <laughs> Don't do that. Do that. No. As a, have, have you ever as a father tried to live your life through your son? I want to, you know, I can never play, so let him do it. I want to do it. That's not the idea. But my eye was on him because he was my child. God has his eye. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him. Note that these people are not described as strong and self-sufficient. In fact, they are in grave difficulty to deliver their soul from death, to keep them alive in famine. Question number six, do you think God means, God's means of working is to use people with slick methods and bless them, or rather to find people who trust in him and use or bless them? See, that's the idea. Are we going to trust God, or do we have everything in control? Interesting, I was listening to a podcast today on suffering, which you're probably going to hear some quotes or something from that eventually. But suffering talked about how 
Job's wife, we never heard her say, well, I'm blessing God because Job's got everything in the world. We never heard her say that. But when Job lost everything, well, just curse God and die. But was never, on the other side was, wow, I praise the Lord today. We've got 3,000 sheep. We got, I don't know exactly what number it was. We got all these camels and all these sheep and all these other things. And all these, we got 10 children and families. And I just want to praise you today for all those things. We never, now she may have, but we don't see that. What we do see in chapter 1 or chapter 2, Job just cursed God and died. Because he, you realize when we complain and whine, we are besmirching the character of God? Can we, ta- can we, is it, can we just take the, only the good? What about the bad? What, what is God wanting to do? From glory to glory, he wants us not happy necessarily. We are happy when we are serving and surrender. That's when happiness comes. He wants us, whether it's rain or shine, suffering or sorrow or the plenty, to trust him all of that and say, you know what? You know better than me. And that suffering, why is it? I tell you, the, you're going to suffer. That's what, Christ, that's what we do. Why? Well, the Bible indicates that if we're going to suffer, he suffered. Are we not going to suffer with him as part of what? Yes. And so why we, well, the first thing we want to do with suffering is, I want out of it. I want out. Out, 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 out. Instead of, Lord, now help me through this time to learn. Paul wrote, 2 Corinthians, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, inasmuch that we despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raised the dead. Mueller said in a quote from Matthew Pearson, it is the very time, bottom of three, for faith to work when sight ceases. The greater the difficulties, the easier for faith. As long as there remain certain natural prospects, faith does not get on even as easily as when all natural prospects fail. I got my savings account to pay for that. I got this. I got this little. I got my little nest egg over here. This over here. And so, if something the bottom finds out, I can do this instead of Lord. I need you right now. I need you today. I cannot do today without you. Hudson Taylor said, "You have proved the sufficiency of God." Top of four. Only when you have trusted Him for the impossible. You've proven the sufficiency of God only when you've trusted Him for the impossible. The well in Africa. Doctor Cheering came in India. Another well story. They had digging. They had digging. They had dug along, I think, it's, I don't know how many feet it was. And they had found no water on the campus there at South India Baptist Bible College. He said, well, it was like, just dig 10 more feet. I believe God's going to answer. And then that, that next 10 feet, they've had water ever since. It, it, God provides and does miraculous things, but we don't, we, uh, when's the impossible? We want, do we follow? Do we pray for? Are we willing to trust him for impossible things? Philip says he saves and sees his own. The destinies of the nations are in his hand. World affairs are not. Ultimately decided in the Kremlin, Shanghai, Pyongyang, or Washington. The economic fate of the nations does not lie in the hands of the oil-rich Arabs. God is on the throne. The God who guides the paths of the stars, who brings into being countless stars and their satellites, who lose to, who tosses them into intangible space, who keeps them whirling and plunging at inconceivable velocities on prodigious orbits, with such mathematical precision that we can foretell years in advance the visit of a comet or the occasion of an eclipse, that God also holds in the destinies of nations in His hands. 
Why is it we think that he is unconcerned about the one planet that has human beings on it? He's extremely concerned. We are the center of the universe. I know, uh, I don't know, I just know this, we're the center. This is where Jesus died. This is where the heaven's going to be on. This is where the new earth, where he's going to reign forever from the new Jerusalem. We are the centerpiece of the universe. His eye is on the sparrow. I'm saying, but he's really, his eye's on us, on the earth. And finally, there is a trust. Therefore, we trust and hope in him. 33, verse 20, our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. I, I put a question in the seven. Why is it that some Christians, perhaps most Christians, find it difficult to wait? I think our society has trained us. Now, some of you are very good, very good waiters. I'm not good, a very good waiter or a waiter in a restaurant either. I'm not a very good person that waits. Uh, we were trained in college to eat in about 17 minutes. From the moment you walked in, you had 17 minutes to where the, they gave the announcements, and then you're supposed to be done eating. So our, we, for five years, I was trained in the dining hall. 17 minutes, you got to eat and be done out the door. And so we eat fast still. I mean, we're six, well, I'm... I'm older than that now. I won't say how old we are. I'm, I'm over 60. So we, we still eat fast. We're, we're just a people of, of speed instead of sitting down on our front porch, back porch, or in an easy chair and thinking about God. We're just turning the TV off. Thinking about reading your Bible. When's the last time we just gave God prime time? My wife and I are reading a very good book called Finally Free. It's on pornography. I don't have that. I don't want. I want to be able to help people who have that difficulty. I'm not saying I'm above it. I'm just saying it's one of the best books with a biblical basis of how to. If you know someone that is struggling with that, I would recommend that book. The first one I'd recommend, other than the Bible, but it uses biblical principles to help us understand how to get free of that. And we're reading that. Where I'm starting to read a book on suffering from Job. I'm not saying all easy. Not, I'm not saying like do crossword puzzles. I'm not saying there's some things we wanted you just to rest our mind. But do we read the paper? Do we read the books more than we read God's material? It just we're, I think a lot of people get the, a lot of Christians are going to find themselves in heaven and be really like a fish out of water. Uh, what's all this about? Well, who is God? And oh, I didn't. I really didn't take a time to know Him. And there will be those who have like spent their lives serving Him, and when they get this, like woohoo! Ah, I'm finally here. Isn't there a reticence, even in Christians, about passing from this life to the next? There is. People are just, we're just, I don't know, I'm going to do anything I can do to keep from doing that. Why? Why am I, why am I doing that? We've never been, he has promised us so much. And your outline says, waiting seems to be the age-long lot of God's people. So often seems as though our prayers go unanswered, that God takes a long time to act. But help us on the way. God works to his own mysterious timetable. He has not forgotten us. We can be sure of that. His interference in history when he sent his son to redeem was right on time, Galatians 4.4. In the fullness of time, the exact moment in history where we needed a Savior, Christ came. It had been 400 years since Israel heard from God very much at all. 400, we call them the what? The silent years between testaments. Is God going to speak to us again? Can you imagine us waiting four years, four months, four weeks, four minutes sometimes? 400 years. 21, the secret of happiness is in him. For our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy 
Happiness. I found happiness, joy, peace when I came to know Christ. Our circumstances frown upon us as at times, but he never changes. He cannot let us down. How happy we should be that he is our Savior. What a privilege it is to to be his servant. And lastly, 22, let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us according as we hope. Now that word hope is much different than the average hope we talk about today. Well, I hope this, I hope that team wins, or I hope this happens, or I hope this doesn't happen, or whatever. Or I, hope, I hope the traffic's light, or I hope that person doesn't turn in front of me. This is the hope means to wait. Hoping and waiting go together in your outline, nor is our hope unfounded. It's not just some vague, pious wish. Our hope is anchored within the veil to the eternal verities, says Phillips, and certainties of the universe. Yes, indeed, God is still on the throne, a throne around which all the galaxies parade, a throne which decides the destinies of nations. For us, it is a throne of grace. Can you imagine? A throne of grace. He who's upholding all things by the word of his power is gracious to me and you. He extends his grace. He extends salvation if we will but trust. There's a lady who tells the story, of this I close, of being awakened one morning by a very strange noise. It sounded like the pecking of a bird. And when she got up, she saw a butterfly flying back and forth inside the window pane in great fright. The butterfly was so frightened. Outside, a sparrow was frantically pecking and trying to get in. The butterfly did not see the glass and expected at any moment to be caught. The sparrow did not see the window either and expected at any moment to catch the butterfly. Yet, all the while, the butterfly was as safe as it had been mile, if the sparrow had been miles away because of the glass which became, came between it and the sparrow. The songwriter said, I'm, I'm holding to what kind of hand? The unseen hand. And that hand is guiding us if we will trust He commanded, and it stood fast, and he wants to be our very best friend. And we need to praise him for all his blessings upon us. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us, according as we hope in thee. And it was Habakkuk that said, in wrath, remember mercy. We need mercy, don't we? Let's pray. Lord, we are thankful for this Psalm 33. What a wonderful psalm. A reminder of singing, uh, making a joyful noise, of singing skillfully. The nation is blessed who put you first, that you uh, spoke the words of our universe into existence, the power, executive power, legislative power of your word. Lord, we rejoice that at the same time you are watching over all other people and all other worlds and all all other galaxies in this universe, you have your eye on us, those that fear you. May we rejoice. May this Christmas season we bow our hearts before you and rejoice in all you've done for us. May you give us courage to speak up in love for you, who you are, and what you've done for us, and how you can help other people, and how you can change their lives from the inside out if they will repent and confess and receive you as their Savior. Help us to be about your business. Give us safety as we go home. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.